obviously I felt compelled to write it, and I think that's just because I just really feel like the, the situation has kind of reached a point of no return. I'm not saying I'm going to be right. Maybe those guys will come back next season, which I fully expect. The Bulls will be on the Bulls next season. Maybe they will play better together. It's the future. Down and distance. Welcome into Down and Distance. Right here, I'm your gosh, SD2 Mike Sean Davis. Follow me on Twitter and my man, the man, the myth, the legend. To my right, Jared Payton. Follow him at Peyton Son, P-A-Y-T-O-N-S-U-N. If you get the S-O-N, you got his son, Jaden. And we're getting ready to bring in one of our buddies, definitely a friend of the program, Casey Johnson, Chicago Tribune beat reporter for the Chicago Bulls. He also covers the NBA like no one else. Casey, welcome in to Down and Distance. Thank you for having me on. Before we get to the article, I just have to ask Casey this. Is it safe to say that neither of the conference finals have gone as you expected? Oh, no question. I think everybody's kind of surprised by what's going on. I mean, obviously with the way Cleveland was rolling and took those first two games, you thought that would be a fairly non-competitive series. And now we're talking, obviously, the night of game five, which is no, no question a critical game for both teams. So that's been a surprise the way Toronto's um, responded by everybody but, but the Raptors. And, uh, I mean, come on, that Western Conference is unbelievable. I mean, the Thunder are just playing at a level that that really looks unstoppable. I mean, they're not only beating, you know, arguably the greatest, not not arguably, the best regular season team in history record-wise. Uh, they're making them look bad and really exposing them on a lot of different levels. So all credit to the Thunder. they got to finish it off, but uh, they certainly look like they're, uh, they're poised to do so here with, by winning one of the next three. And building on that, you talk about the way OKC is playing. They're playing like they're on a mission. And I mentioned to Jared, they're healthy. And for a lot of Chicago Bulls fans that go back to the Tibbs era, that's something that a lot of us pretty much hold on to if we had been healthy. And that's pretty much what we're looking at. Well, OK, I think a lot of people have overlooked this team because they haven't been healthy. They haven't been together. Now they're finally together, healthy. And talk about the job of Billy Donovan and what he has meant and added to this team. Well, you never know unless you're on the inside, but you can just look at, obviously, the way that he's let those stars kind of have some freedom and and play to their strengths. Um, you know, I just I know Billy just only through having talked to him once or twice when I've done stories on Joe Kim Noah, and I've heard stories from Joe Kim Noah about him. And, you know, the one thing you hear about him is that he's very real, very genuine, very direct, um, and it just looks like a very organized team. I mean, this is no knock against Scott Brooks, who obviously just got a big money deal in Washington, very accomplished coach. Um, but, you know, getting back to the injuries, I mean, that's the thing that you, 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 that's really interesting is, you know, this Thunder team doesn't make the playoffs last year because they're so injured and then make this huge jump um, this year. And uh, that's kind of what the Bulls were hoping for with uh, with the Fred hire. Obviously didn't play out that way, but, um, injuries are always a part of it, and it's nice to see them playing at uh, full strength and firing at all cylinders. Yeah, Casey, I was just I was thinking before the playoffs started, I was just thinking like, man, we'll see what happens. Then everything started happening, and I was like, whoa, you got the Warriors going up against OKC. I'm like, this is this might be that time for LeBron now. If 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 OKC can can, can take these guys over, maybe it might be an easier road for the land to get a championship. And 
after seeing what I've been seeing out of OKC and what's going on with Toronto, I, I'm actually just bli- believing in that uh, that documentary on 30 for 30, Believe Land. I don't think anything is going to happen good for Cleveland anymore. I mean, it's unbelievable, and I feel so bad for, for Cleveland uh, fans out there. But can LeBron, don't you see him coming back home and taking care of business? I mean, you have to be able to come back home and take care of business on your home court. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily rule them out for a, a title yet. I mean, they, you know, until like we said, until they lost these two games at Toronto, they look like the best team in the playoffs um, by far. And I certainly still think that they have the upper hand in these in this series, so they'll be in the finals. And look, those finals were fairly competitive last year when LeBron was basically doing all by himself. And they're they're a much more well-rounded team with you know Kyrie and Kevin Love obviously healthy and. Uh, you know, Kevin looked like he got banged up a little bit last game, although the Cavaliers are downplaying it. And, they, you know, they made some nice in-season pickups. I love the chin and fry pickup. Uh, he obviously is shooting the lights out right now. So I'd love to see Cleveland get there and, and try it again uh, at full strength because last year they weren't they weren't at full strength when they were playing the Warriors. Uh, we're playing, man. We're playing good, you know. Whoever gets the high hand, that's what we're going to. Jimmy, the last couple of four or five games, been playing great basketball. And um, it's fun to see him watch. I mean, it's to sit down and watch him play the way that he's playing right now. Um, the game is slowing down to him and pick and roll. Um, he's taking all the right shots and making all the right plays. So it just makes the team better. Talking with Casey Johnson here on Down and Distance. Now I got to bring it up, man, because we this is time now. We talked about... Everybody's Playoffs. waiting for yeah. it, right? I, to me, I mean, the piece, let me just say this: go though. Ahead. KC go ahead. has always awarded us a gold medal for okay. not bringing up the obvious every time we interview. I, and, him. I, and I respect that. Everybody asks him the same questions. We tend to stay away from those, but we had to. Well, yeah, and talk you know, about this. We had to talk about it, but it was just more of that he wrote it. I said, you know, to, to KC, there's a handful of people in this city that I respect when it comes to covering sports and you're one of them and where I get my information from and I know for myself of you know being in the business there's certain things that you can say certain things that you can't say but to have a piece like this come out and you kind of speak in your mind in not a bad way on either side, just the, of the reality of what it is, what most people are thinking. Stop talking about the problem. Let's talk yeah. about the solution. Let's talk about the solution. And to me, it was refreshing because it's normally and I know how hard it probably had to be for you to be able to put that out and like to have everybody read it. It's OK to be talking about it with your friends. And so that's what I think I respected most. But you came out and you talked about there's two things this offseason for this team, this Bulls team to be successful. It's either trade Jimmy or Derek or figure out a way for both these guys to really have that partnership for them to be able to take it to a next level. Um, can they unlock that partnership and really do it together, do you think? Well, I'm not sold, and that's why, obviously, I felt compelled to write the piece, which is a departure for me. I don't typically write opinion pieces. Uh, I know that that's become part of our business, but I traditionally cover a beat in a more, uh, at least I aim for a more objective manner, so I rarely colonize. And obviously, look, we're faced with choices as as journalists every day, you know, what we write, uh, what we decide to write, and obviously I felt compelled to write it, and I think that's just because I just really feel like this is, the situation has kind of reached a point of no return. I'm not saying I'm going to be right. Maybe those guys will come back next season, which I fully expect that this, the Bulls will be on the Bulls next season. And maybe they will play better together. But, look, I was actually one of the bigger defenders last summer when this storyline first surfaced. I really thought 
they just needed time to kind of get to know each other's games. Jimmy's rise to stardom occurred mostly with Derek injured. I thought with Fred Hoiberg coming in, I thought, you know, given the momentum that they had in that 15 playoff run where they both averaged over 20 points per game in, in the playoffs, I really thought they were going to take off, and it just didn't materialize. And I just think too much has happened. Um, there's just too much will involved for this this situation to to um, to play out, you know, nicely. And, and beyond that, look, the Bulls are at a crossroads, and you know, Derek's going to be a free agent at 17, so. You know, maybe maybe management views his expiring contract as an asset, and maybe they view his cap space as an asset. But you you've got to make some hard decisions here because this I don't think is something you just tweak and, and get get better. So, you know, do you decide to try to blow it up, and obviously Jimmy would command more return, or do you try to get something proactively for Derek now before, by most accounts, he probably walks in free agency? And th- those are the hard questions that. The management has to ask itself, and that's why I felt compelled to write the piece. As far as both of them coming back and playing well together, I would like to reference, I don't know if you saw it, but the guys were talking on inside the NBA after game four last night, and the question was, what has Billy Donovan done to improve the game of Russell Westbrook? And Kenny Smith, being a point guard himself, simply said he allowed him to be a point guard. He allowed him to play his position. He didn't try to put him at the two and bring another point guard in he gave him the ball and gave him the confidence to say, you're my guy, run this team. Despite what mistakes you make, run the team. This is your position. Is that something that Fred Hoiberg might have to do when it comes to Derrick Rose? I know you talked about in the piece that Jimmy has added that pick-and-roll game. But do you still think, regardless of who's the superstar, who's the number one option, Derrick needs to be, I don't want to say coddled, but he needs to believe that this is your ball, this is your position, run the team well that's what i would do but you know i'm probably in the minority there because i know there's a huge proponent and and groundswell of support as jimmy is the best player on the team i i personally still think Derek is but i i know i'm in the minority there um so that, that's what i would do and, and look the bigger thing is they just don't their, their games didn't really complement each other very well because of what we were just talking about jimmy's now become more of kind of a have the ball screen roll kind of guy that's always been Derek's forte. Neither one of them are great three-point shooters. It just seemed like Fred was trying to please both guys, and they are both always kind of trying to defer to each other rather than playing off each other. Now, there were moments where they did, but for the most part, it didn't happen. And so I just think you got to either figure out a way to make that happen or, or just you know remove one from the equation and, and turn it over to that other person. And Look, I know this league is filled with, with teams with two guys that coexist well together, and great players usually figure it out. But for whatever reason, I think a big part of it is neither one of them are great three-point shooters. These two just have not consistently been able to do that, and, and we'll see if it happens uh, you know, with uh, with one more season if they, if they choose not to make a move. So when you look at the situation and how it's progressed to this point, and feeling that it might be a point of no return with these two, has there been a disservice done to both of these athletes? maybe by fans, the organization, and just the overall environment and the way things were handled? Yeah, I mean, that's tough. I mean, I, I don't know. That, that's, a, that's a great question. I, I don't really have a great answer for it because it's been, you know, like I said before, Jimmy's rise to stardom basically occurred <clears throat> with Derek injured. <clears throat> and, um, you know, Derek's also trying to figure out who he is as a player. I mean, he's clearly not the same. You know, he used to play the way Westbrook plays now, which is this. Yeah unbridled fury at all times. And that you can still see those athletic gifts. He still has gifts that 
very few players have in the league. He just doesn't turn them on all the time. And I'm not saying that critically. The dude's had three knee surgeries. but So he's still trying to kind of figure out who he is as a player in this new kind of permutation of his career post three knee surgeries. But I, I just see this. Look, and, and any conversation about this, you got to stress, you're, you're not being critical of either player. Look, Jimmy, Jimmy has far succeeded anybody's expectations as a player. He's a wonderful, wonderful basketball player, one of the better two-way players in the league. I just still think that Derek's got a level and a gear that so few players have in this league where you can stack up against them, game plan against them, and if he's you know got it going or chooses to turn it on, he can still solve that and break that down. And very few players in this league have that ability. Yeah, Casey, that's what you know. You watch games this past season, and then that's where and it was off and on with guys we you know who were injured. Both these guys that were on the court at the same time, and I think that's always been one of the issues. Is that you know you talked about it. You, you had Jimmy kind of come into stardom while while D Rose was hurt, but they're the games where. Derek was pushing the ball and moving the ball, and then the ball would slow up once it got to to Jimmy's hands and want to slow down the game a little bit. It was just so tough for me. Did one of these guys fit with what Fred Hoiberg wants to do moving forward better? Uh, That's also a good question, and I would say yes, Derek does. But here's the other thing. Derek does still – I mean, Fred would talk about this publicly. Derek would not always follow what Fred wanted him to do. And, you know, remember the time Fred talked about how – he was having his pregame meeting with him, you know, at X number of minutes left on the clock before blow off, and then he shortened that to, you know, ten minutes closer to blow off so Derek could retain what he was trying to say better, which is a pretty startling revelation, quite frankly, when you think about it. Um, so, but yeah, I, I agree with that assessment that Jimmy. And look again, it's not a knock on Jimmy. This is why he's become a good player and made the success. But he is comfortable playing probably at a slower pace and playing more isolation and playing more, you know, grab the ball and kind of survey the scene and let's set a screen here and let's dribble off and let's see who's open. And look, in a a perfect world, you know, and this is what I never understood because Jimmy has this ability with his speed and strength to fill wings, power through contact. And I'm not talking about fast breaking every time. That's obviously unrealistic and impossible, but, you would think that he and Derek would would probably more consistently better play off of each other, and, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened. The ancillary piece is going through this summer. The cap room they have, I believe, $23 million somewhere in that range. Pal Gasol possibly not coming back. Stories coming out that a short-term deal with Joakim Noah might be on the table and his return might be possible when in the middle of the season it looked like there's no way Joe was coming back to this team. And then the youngsters that came on at the end of the season. How do you see this roster playing out moving forward if Derek and if Jimmy are both on the roster? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going off. I mean, I've obviously covered this franchise for a long time. I'm just going off, you know, previous history. And my sense is they'll just try to kind of piecemeal it, you know, with a draft pick, uh, some form of free agent center, and, you know, some various pieces. I don't – if they choose to keep – both Jimmy and Derek, which, again, I'm just guessing this, I, my guess would be that they'd, they'd both be back. I don't see them making, you know, a huge move. They obviously need a starting center. They don't have one on the roster currently with with Noah and Gasol both entering free agency. So that, that to me, kind of eats up most of your cap space. And, hey, we all know this, this management team, particularly Gar Foreman, loves him some drafts. So 
that's gonna be hey, that's man. gonna be something too. You know what we've seen, like Casey said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. They might as well keep the Ames Iowa story going. Just bring Harrison Barnes in. They know they want him. They want him. You know they want him. You know, you know they want him. Fred, Doug, you know everybody. Guard, they want him. He's a free agent. There's your three. Just pass him uh, in. Maybe, maybe hire Tim Floyd as an assistant. There coach. you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but peace in, I mean, you, you, we keep talking about it. I mean, it's pretty similar to what's going on on the South side as well with how the White Sox are as well. I mean, it's a, it's pretty the same thing of piecing things together, but not really being afraid to blow things up. But I want to ask KC, how much is that Jerry Reinsdorf not being the sole owner like some of these other owners in the NBA and actually having to answer to a board? And, and does that play into him with both teams not really bottoming out and rebuilding, just wanting to stay afloat and keep gaining a profit? Well, I can only speak to the Bulls. I don't. I don't deal with the White Sox at all, and, and that that has no 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 bearing on okay. the Bulls situation because you know the other partners are really just they view the Bulls as an investment. And, you know, look, the, the the thing prints money. So, I mean, Jerry Jerry turns over the basketball. I mean, he's involved in the major basketball decisions. But he turns over the basketball decisions, the basketball operations. It's not like basketball operations is checking with ancillary owners. I mean, they're just in it for the money. And and look, that franchise is worth gold considering what those investors paid for oh man well kc man we appreciate you man as always um just wanted to have this for my archives because it's one of those things i'm gonna show my son when he gets older like do you hear this i got casey johnson on talking about the bulls man <laughs> how's the jump shot looking this summer casey i'm back man i started playing again i took a couple of years off but it 49 years old, I, I still get buckets, man. Awesome. We're going to have to catch up with you at a rec center soon. Yeah, man. Thank you right, so much, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate you, Casey. All right. All right, man. Casey Johnson on with us from Chicago Tribune, covers the Bulls. Always good to be able to talk with him, man. He's a, a great friend of the program and gave us some some great insight. My eyes I know. opened up wide. I know. But I this know. is something – it is funny – Amongst beat reporters, if we poll the beat reporters that cover the Bulls, it's pretty obvious who's pro-Jimmy, and it's pretty obvious who's pro-Derek. Not so obvious for KC because, as he said, he doesn't go the route yeah, of opinion a he lot. Doesn't. So He's very traditional, similar to Sam Smith. Yeah, so that, that question about, which I knew kind of set it up, was uh, I didn't know if he would give me a response, but... It's kind of one of those things that we kind of all know. If you're looking at offensively what Fred Hoiberg wants to really do, like where he wants to be, Derek fits what he wants to do better. And I just didn't think that he would actually say that. But, hey, that's what we get when we're on down the distance, man. People tell the truth. It's all we want is the truth. They say it sets you free. It, uh, we'll see what happens. That's what Jim, they say. I don't know. Jimmy needs to understand that. I can't wait to tweet this. Hey. I can't wait to hear from BC. I know BC. Hey, yeah, we'll get we'll get his take too. Hey man, down the distance, Sean Davis, SD Two Mice at Peyton Sun P A Y T O N S U N. Follow us on Twitter as well. The podcast to get all the archives. D A D Pod on Twitter. Man, we always convert, even when we're talking about basketball. It does not matter. I mean, it's more like a fast break, right? To I dish it to Sean, he just dunks it. And I'm cool. I get the assist. I'm, like, uh, I'm more like George Gervin. I'm going to give you the finger oh, roll. Oh, you're going to give me the finger roll? Don't do it to him. Ice. We here, man. Always. Peace.